Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn, let's turn, God bless you. Let's turn in our Bibles to in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles this afternoon. Uh, as you're turning to Luke 9, uh, I want to ask that you keep me in prayer because this week is going to start uh, a ministry journey that's going to be quite uh, quite hard. <laughs> uh, on Tuesday, we fly to uh, Dallas, Texas to minister at the National Multi-Ethnic Church Conference, where we're going to be challenging and inspiring uh, leaders from across the nation. And then on Wednesday, we're going to preach at Chapel of Change, Dallas, uh, Texas, to, to the glory of God. And then we're coming back on Thursday, and then on Friday, I'm going to fly to the Philippines. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. I've been invited by our bishop uh, to speak at the General Conference of the Philippines, which is going to consist of a couple hundred pastors and leaders uh, from around the Philippines, and uh, we're going to be ministering there. And for some reason, for some reason, the bishop wants to take me into prison. I don't know why people are always trying to get me to go back into prison. I've been fighting long not to, to get out of prison. And people always want to take me back to prison. But we're going to go into prison, and we're going to minister to about 200 prisoners. And what we're going to do, and maybe you want to help out with this, but we're going to sponsor lunch for 200 prisoners at a Filipino uh, prison. And maybe you want to help out with this, but each lunch is going to uh, cost about $3 per lunch. We're going to sponsor 200 of them because sometimes... Uh, you need to touch a stomach before you touch a heart. Anybody agree with that? That's why we eat so much at Chapel of Change. We try to touch some stomachs because ultimately we're going to touch a heart. And so if you want to help sponsor some, some meals, you can give today during the tithes and offerings. Or you can give online sometime this week. But we're going to sponsor it anyways because we want to go and be a blessing. Someone say amen. And so keep us in prayer as we go on this journey. I'm, the Lord is using Chapel of Change in a significant way. Someone say amen. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 28, and I'm going to read a, a good passage of Scripture. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Someone say Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Pause for a second. That phrase, untie it, and bring it here is a metaphor for how we are to disciple people in the Lord. 
It's a metaphor. Untie it and bring it here. So, so the equation for discipleship, this is just a sidebar, is you find a donkey, you untie it, and you take it to Jesus. Some of y'all get that later. You find a donkey, you untie it, and you take it to Jesus. You remember what Jesus said to Lazarus when he rose him from the grave and he still had grave clothes on him? What did he say? He said, loose that man and let him go. So some of y'all got to go out there and find some donkeys. Verse 31. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say the Lord needs it. Verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. If you have your Bible, underline that phrase because it speaks to the validity of God's word. How many have learned that God's word is good? How many learned that God's word is true? How many know that you could rely on God's word? Jesus gave them somewhat of a weird instruction. Go find a donkey, untie it, bring it to me. Kind of like weird, don't you think? And as they obeyed Jesus, they found out that it was exactly as he said. Hallelujah. Speaks to the integrity of God's word. It will be as he said if you obey him. If you obey him, it will be as he said. Now go to 33, verse 33. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, why are you untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it. (laughs) Wow, I I wrote in my note right there, radical obedience. Like they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They didn't veer to the left, they didn't veer to the right. They did exactly what uh, Jesus told them to do. And they experienced the miracle because obedience positions you for miracles. Radical obedience positions your life for a radical move of God. It was kind of weird. Jesus said, go find a donkey, untie it, bring it to me up. I was like, man, but they did it. Radical obedience positions you for a radical move of God. Look at verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, throwing cloaks on the coat and put Jesus on it. And he went along, as he went along, people spread the cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had done. I want you to note something in your mind. This large crowd is surrounding Jesus and they are joyfully praising God. I want you to note that. Note in your mind, the crowd is excited, they're cheerful, they're joyful, they're surrounding Jesus, and they're shouting out shouts of joy. Look at verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wow. Wow. If we keep quiet, the stones are going to praise in our place. If we don't open up our mouth, the mountains will open up their mouth. 
If we don't praise God, God's going to get a rock to praise Him. He's going to get a stone to praise Him. I'm I'm certain you could praise God better than a stone. I know you could praise God better than a rock. I know you could open up your mouth better than a mountain. I'm kind of suspicious of quiet churches. I'm kind of suspicious of churches that whisper their worship. I'm kind of suspicious of churches who whisper their worship. It makes me question whether or not they really understand what God has done in their life. It just just makes me question, do you really understand salvation? Do you really understand the mercy of God? Because if you did, I suspect you would open up your mouth and give God a Holy Ghost praise. I suspect, I I just suspect if you understood How good God has been to you. You wouldn't let no rock take your place. Look at verse 41. I'm almost done. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Underline that word. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Now here's the reason why. Here's the reason. Because. Someone say because. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Wow. I love how it says it in the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. Because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Wow. How could God be so big, yet we still miss his moves. How can God's hand be so large, yet we still not see his fingerprints upon our life? They missed it. They did not recognize the visitation of God upon their lives. It's pretty deep. Pretty deep. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We pray that you speak to us today. Help us to understand your word. Let it sink deep into our heart. May it transform us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. This scene that the Bible describes here in Luke 9 is typically referred to as the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This scene in Luke chapter 19 is a prophetic fulfillment of the Messiah coming into Jerusalem and within one week he would be persecuted and crucified and die. Within one week he would raise from the grave with all power and might in his hands. 
This scene is known as the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ where the Messiah fulfills the prophetic words of him coming on a donkey into Jerusalem. Many scholars will note that this one scene is probably the most uh, ironic contradiction in human history. Many scholars will note that in this one scene is a contrast, an ironic contrast because on one hand you have a crowd of people that are expressing great joy. They're joyfully praising God but on the other hand you have a Messiah who is expressing great sorrow. He's weeping over the city. It's a contrast. It's an it's a ironic contradiction that in one scene you have a group of people that are throwing up cheers, but simultaneously you have a Savior that is dropping tears. How can that be? How can one group be cheering and an individual be tearing? It's a contradiction. What's going on? The crowd is filled with joy. Jesus is filled with sorrow. He weeps over Jerusalem. And that word weep, it means to sob uncontrollably. It means to sob uncontrollably. He's not just dropping one or two tears. His body is shaking. His heart is pounding. And, and there's a flood of tears coming down his eyes as he looks over Jerusalem. But simultaneously, the people are throwing up cheers. What's happening? crazy. In fact, there's only three places in the Bible that describes Jesus as crying. Jesus initially cried over the death of his friend Lazarus. Remember that? Remember uh, the shortest uh, verse in the Bible? Did anybody remember the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. You want to gain some spiritual momentum? Memorize that verse. Shortest one in the Bible. Jesus cries over the death of his friend Lazarus. But then in Hebrews chapter 9, it says that Jesus would cry when he would pray to the Father. In Hebrews uh, chapter 9, I want to put it up on the screen. It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. And tears. You heard me say, there is no casual prayers in the Bible. He shed tears. He cried over his friend Lazarus. He cried when he prayed to the Father. And now in Luke 19, we see him crying over the city of Jerusalem. And so the question to us this afternoon is why Jesus cries? Why Jesus cries? I want us to think about what breaks the heart of God. What breaks the heart of God? Because this is not mere emotionalism. This is, this is not mere sentimentalism. You know, some of us can cry at the drop of the dime. And some of us can just cry just like that. And that's, that's emotionalism. But this is not emotionalism. This is a, a, a sign that Jesus cares and that he carries our burdens. So why does Jesus cry? What, what breaks the heart? Of God, because as followers of Jesus Christ, we should not be living the life that makes Jesus cry. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, we should not be living a life that makes Jesus cry. The heavens should not be crying over our life. The heavens should be rejoicing over our life. As followers of Jesus, we ought to be living a life where God looks over the heavens and he smiles down upon our radical obedience. He smiles down upon our marriages, our family, or the way that we work, or the way that we serve. He smiles, not frowns. How can we be living a life that causes God to frown upon us after all that he's done for us? The mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace that he has shed upon our life. We should not live a life that causes Jesus to cry. So, my assignment today is to help us to understand why Jesus cries. And I'm going to use Luke 19 as the answer. And the first thing that I would share with us is that Jesus cries when his people don't live up to their name. Jesus cries when his people don't live up to their name. Look at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this this day what would bring you peace. Someone say peace. Mm, If you have your Bible, circle that word. That's a critical word in the passage right there. The New King James Version actually says your peace. Your peace. Because peace was something Jerusalem was supposed to experience. Peace was something Jerusalem was supposed to be known for. Peace was something Jerusalem was supposed to have in their possession. That's why God established Jerusalem. That's why God made Jerusalem the hub for spirituality. Because it was supposed to experience peace. Jerusalem was to experience spiritual peace as well as physical peace. Spiritually, Jerusalem was supposed to be uh, the hub of God's activity. Spiritually, Jerusalem was special to God. Spiritually, uh, Jerusalem was to be the seat of God's authority on earth. Physically, Jerusalem was located high on a mountain ridge. It was uh, because it was so high on a mountain ridge, it became like a natural fortress. And all who dwelt in Jerusalem were to feel safe and secure from all its enemies. They, Because of where it was located high on a mountain, they were to experience great peace in their life. In fact, when you think about what Jerusalem means... Did you know that the name of Jerusalem actually means city of peace? It means city of peace. And so the Messiah comes and he looks over Jerusalem and he weeps because they reject their name. He weeps because they refuse to live up to what God has called them to be. He cries, he sobs uncontrollably because they were supposed to be the apple of his eye, yet they are in rebellion, not experiencing their name that God put upon them. 
Even historically, when you think, when you think of historically, Jerusalem uh, has not experienced the peace that God intended it to have. In its 3,500 year uh, of life, Jerusalem has seen very little peace. Uh, it has had at least 118 major conflicts taking place over it. Jerusalem has been besieged no less than 32 times. It has been attacked and plundered by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Turks, the Crusaders, and even the Ottoman Empire. And so Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they did not live up to their name. Jerusalem, the city of peace. And Jesus weeps. So you might be thinking, how does that apply to my life? Jerusalem's 3,500 years old. I'm 35 years old. Not me, but maybe you. How does that 3,500-year city apply to my How does what, what Jesus did right there apply to my life? Well, I want to remind you that the moment you repented from your sins and the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has given you a new name. He has given you a new name. The moment you repented from your sins, the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know the world try to tag you with different names, maybe try to tag you with failure or addict or, or, or drunkard or whatever. But the good news is that God has promised you a new name to the glory of God. That's been the promise of God all along. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 2, it says, You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. So I'm calling you by a new name. I'm calling you by a new name. Isaiah 65, verse 15 says, My servants will be called by another name. Any servants of the Lord in the house today? Anybody who followed Jesus so I come to church to remind to somebody today that you have a new name. You have a new name. In fact, the grace and mercy of God is so profound that God has given you multiple names. He's given you multiple names to cover up everything that the enemy tried to smut you up with. He's given you multiple names. And I come to remind you, listen, I want to remind you that you are named a child of the Most High God. You are named a child of the Most High God. I want to remind you that John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Someone say right. He gave the right to become children of God. I have the right. I have the right. I have a new name. I'm a child of God. Now, you represent God now. You represent your heavenly father now. You represent the family of God now. You're not alone anymore. You're aligned with the most powerful family in the galaxy, the family of God. You're not alone no more. You're aligned now. 
And you represent the family of God. You're a child of God. There should be no reason why you should be walking around with your head down. Should be no reason why you should be uh, busted and disgusted. No, you're a child of the living God. You got a name. You got a name. I, I want to remind you that, that you are named a citizen of heaven. You are named a citizen of heaven, the scripture says, but we are citizens of, of heaven, that, that we are, are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. You no longer represent yourself. You no longer represent just your family. You represent the kingdom of God. Remember that next time you go out in that world. Remember that next time you go to somewhere you're not supposed to be going. You're an ambassador of not this world, but the kingdom of God. Don't forget your name. If you forget your name, you'll start acting like someone you're not. If you forget your name, you'll start acting like someone you're not. So I got, my job is to remind you. I want to remind somebody today that you are named holy. I want to remind somebody today that you are named holy. Listen to this. I, I want to read this passage of scripture. Just listen to it and allow it to minister to you. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, New Living Translation, listen to this. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, hello somebody, or are abusive, hello somebody, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Whew, man. But here's the good news. It doesn't stop there. Thank God for the good news. It doesn't stop there. Listen, listen, listen. It doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. It says, some of you were once like that. Now, 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 if he was writing the Chapel of Change, he would say, all of you were once like that. Hello, somebody. He's a little gracious right there. He said, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. But you were made holy. But you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. You're cleansed. You're made holy. You're made right with Almighty God. You can come to the altar of God with no shame or guilt. You have access to the presence of God because you called upon the mighty name of Jesus. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget your name. Because if you forget your name, you'll start acting like who you're not. And we don't want to see that on social media. Hello, somebody. We don't want to see that. No, no, no. Holy means to be different than the world. Holy means to be different for the world. Listen, I just want to remind us, we are holiness church. Just wandering around. We are holiness church. Now, we ain't supposed to live like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. We ain't supposed to dress like the world. We ain't supposed to eat like the world. Hello, somebody. We ain't supposed to date like the world. Hello, somebody. We are to be so different that we make a difference. We ought to be so different that we make a difference. Listen, if the world is comfortable with always hanging out in your presence, something is wrong. 
If the world is comfortable with telling you everything about the world and there ain't nothing inside of them that says, man, I don't think I can do that. Something is wrong. You need to be reminded that you're an ambassador for the kingdom of God. See, see the new names God gives us, they lead us into God's promises. They help form our new identity so we don't go out in that world with, with a confused identity, identity crisis. No. Through our new names that God gives us, they, they, they help us to experience a new beginning, new hope, and new, new blessings. And so I just want to remind us, listen, it, it, you got to live up to your name. Let's live up to our name. Let's not be like Jerusalem at that time. God bless Jerusalem, but let's not be at Jerusalem at that time where Jesus weeps over them. Someone shout amen. Why does Jesus cry? The second thing I would say is that Jesus cries when his people miss his movement. When his people miss his movement. Back to Luke 19, Jesus pronounces judgment over them. He says, you're going you're gonna to be judged. You're going to be punished. And then in verse 44, he explains why. He says, because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Wow. They missed the movement of God. How can that happen? How can God be so big, yet we still miss him? How can the hand of God be so powerful, yet we still miss him? He said, because you did not recognize it when God visited you. You, you had a visitation from God and you missed it. They were calling your name. <laughs> you got a visit, and you did not go. You're too busy playing spades, or too busy watching Jerry Springer, or too busy, too busy for God. He called your name, Vasita. He called your name, and you did not go. Man, they missed God. How can you miss God? They missed him. Even though Jesus did miracle after miracle, they still missed him. Even though Jesus' ministry was public and out in the open, they still missed him. Even though there were crowds following Jesus, multitudes of crowds following Jesus, they still missed him. Despite the prophets wrote specifically about how Jesus was going to enter into Jerusalem hundreds of years before Daniel and Zechariah, they wrote specifically about Jesus, yet they still missed him. Wow. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, God specifically said to them how the Messiah would come. He says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humbled, and get this, and mounted on a donkey. Even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. It was written 
And these people thought they knew the Bible, but they did not know the Bible because they missed it. Wow. Listen, if we could talk like family, God's people are notorious for missing God's movement. God's people are notorious for missing God. They miss God. They miss Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. I remember John chapter 1, uh, verse 12. It says that he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They didn't recognize He made the world. There ought to have been something inside of them that said, man, there's something different. But they missed him. They missed him at the beginning of his ministry. They missed him at the middle of his ministry. You remember, remember the woman at the well? Anybody remember that, that sister who had like five Sanchos? Anybody remember? And she comes to the well and she begins to talk to Jesus. And remember, she got spiritual and scriptural with Jesus. She started talking about the Bible and she started talking about worship. Anybody remember that? Do you remember what Jesus told that sister? He looked at her in the eye and said, woman, if you only knew who was standing in front of you. If you only knew who was standing in front of you, you would ask of me and I would give you water of eternal life. She did not know. She was talking like it. She, was, she, she, she looked like it, but she could not recognize. They missed him after his resurrection. You remember after his resurrection, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in the last chapter of Luke the two disciples are walking down the street and they're sad and they're discouraged and presumably they're going back to their hometown. And on the day of the resurrection, the greatest day of all of history, when Jesus could have been in Jerusalem celebrating his victory over the devil, instead he walks alongside two discouraged disciples to try to stitch them back up and the Bible says they could not recognize him. We're notorious for missing God. We got to pray, Lord. Help us, Lord. Give us a sensitivity of heart that we don't miss your moves in our life. We don't, we don't want to be like the stone, Lord God. Help us, help us. How long must God work in our life before we finally acknowledge it's Him? How much God has to say in our life before we acknowledge it's Him? How many fingerprints do you want over your face and over your body for you to finally recognize that it is is him lord give us a sensitivity of heart and help us to appreciate what you're doing in our life so that we don't be like jerusalem in that day and time and miss your move someone shout amen god god is moving in a significant way at chapel of change he's God is moving here, and he's trying to pull you into it. He, he's trying to pull you into the river. He's, and, and some of us may be hesitating still, and some of us may be hesitating, but God is trying to get you to jump full-fledged 
into the river because he's doing something here and we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it. No, we want to jump into what God is doing. Uh, uh, last week, the Lord uh, confirmed again in me that he is here amongst us. I want to share with you what happened. About six months ago, I came across this uh, rapper online, online, and he became uh, probably the most infamous rapper in LA because of what he was doing and because of what he was saying. And I learned online that he was actually from this area. And when I learned that, I said, man, something touched my heart. Something touched my heart. I'm like, man, God, I want to meet him. I want to meet him. God, I want an opportunity to kind of share my faith with him. And I learned that his name was Swifty Blue. I'm going to show you a picture of him. And right now, he's probably the most infamous rapper in L.A., probably the nation. A lot of people don't like him because of some of the things he's saying and doing. And so about two weeks ago, when the Christian rapper Brian Trejo came to our church, the Lord gave me an idea. Remember last year, the church, you invested about $25,000 into building a media studio right here in the church. Anybody remember that? And I stood before you guys. I said, listen, we got to give to this because God is going to use this to impact lives that we don't even know about. I stood right here and I shared that vision with you guys. And so we built the studio where we can record and put out gospel-centered content into the digital world because the digital world needs to be impacted with the gospel. And so God gave me an idea when Brian Trejo, the Christian artist, was here. Um, I began to record a segment with Brian Trejo, and the idea was, let's say something to Swifty Blue. Let's speak into his life. And so I said, Brian Trejo, uh, there's this guy named Swifty Blue. He's blowing up on the internet. Uh, he got a lot of attention. What would you say to him? And Brian Trejo said, man, I heard of that guy. I heard of him. And so I told him, Brian Trejo, speak into the camera. Speak into the life of Swifty Blue. And Brian Trejo immediately looked in the camera. You could see the video online. He, he says, hey, man of God. He says, hey, man of God. Now, now, Swifty Blue is not living like a man of God. Um, Swifty Blue doesn't even know probably what a man of God is. But Brian Trejo says, listen, I call you a man of God because that's what God created you to be. That's what God created you to be. You may not realize it. You may not be living up to it. But this is your name. And it came my turn. I looked in the camera. I said, Swifty Blue, we love you at Chapel of Change. We're praying for you. If you ever need any prayer, come to uh, Chapel of Change and we'll pray for you. We edited the video. Thanks, thanks to Brother Art Martinez for editing the video. And we sent it out to the internet and I posted on social media. Anybody know Swifty Blue? I want to meet him. Don't answer that unless it's Jesus. Last Monday, last Monday I came home 
and I was checking my messages. And on that video YouTube page was a message by somebody called Swifty Blue. I'm going to show you this message. And at first, I thought it was fake. So I reached back out to the message. And next thing I know, Swifty Blue called me. And when I heard his voice, I said to myself, oh, this is real now. So he told me that he was busy at that time and that he'll call me back later in the night. So that night came and that night left and Swifty didn't call. The next morning, I sent him a text. I said, hey, bro, don't forget about me because I'm trying to do what God has called me to do. Swifty Blue answered back. He said, I ain't forgot about you. I'll probably be in town about 2 or 3 p.m. And I text him back. I said, well, maybe, maybe we could meet up at Casa Gamino down the street and have lunch. But I was joking around. And he was like, oh, I'm down to do that. And then I was thinking, nah, I ain't trying to get shot at no Casa Gominos. <laughs> I got to think of safety first. You know what I mean? So I backtracked. I said, well, let's meet at church first. You got to be wise. Hello, somebody. And plus, I got a wife <laughs> and kids. <laughs> so I said, let's meet at church. And I don't know if he's going to come or not, but I'm saying, let's meet at church and we'll talk and then we'll come back and record something. So he says, okay, I'm down to do that. I'll, I'll probably be in town between two and three. So now it's getting real. And now I'm thinking about my life. Like, oh my goodness. I'm thinking he's going to come with like 20 people. So I'm like, I need backup. And everybody, all y'all are at work. And so I think of the only person who's available, I call Pastor Bo right here. Give it up for Pastor Bo. And I say, I say hey, Pastor Bo. I say, Hey, Pastor Bo, uh, man, listen, uh, this infamous rapper, uh, I think he's going to come to our Paramount campus, and I want to meet up with him, but I need somebody to have my back because I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, uh, are, are you able to come with me, Pastor Bo? Can you come meet me at the church? But there's one thing, Pastor Bo. Uh, what is it, Brian? You might get shot. And Pastor Bo was an evangelist, so he was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Pastor Bo was down for the cause, ambassador. So me and Pastor Bo meet up here at the parking lot, and we're waiting. We don't know if it's going to happen or not. We're waiting. We're waiting. We don't know if there's going to be 30 people that roll up with guns blazing. But, but Bo and I ready to put our life on the line for Jesus. Not all that, but still. So we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we see a car with tinted windows roll up. And I'm thinking they're just going to stop in the car and say a few words, and that will be it. But instead, the car pulls over, the door opens up, and out comes Swifty Blue. So I run over to him. I said, bro, man, I appreciate you coming, but man, you came by yourself? I got Pastor Bo. At least I got Pastor Bo with me. And so we go into my office, and uh, me and Pastor Bo, we're able to minister to him. I share with him my testimony. I share with him the goodness of God. Pastor Bo got an opportunity to get on one, right? And, and we, we, we take uh, Swifty Blue into the, the church. We give him an escort in the church. We take him over here to the altar, right? And we get an opportunity to pray for him, uh, lay hands on him. 
You could see the video uh, on, on YouTube, right? And as we're, we're walking out, as we're walking out into the parking lot, I just happened to have that day uh, a nice sports car that my friend let me use for my birthday. Thank God for good friends that have sports cars. Amen. And the sports car was parked. It was like a rapper car, too. And it was parked in the, in the, in the driveway right here. And so as Swifty Blue and I came out, I said, hey, so I got another idea. Hey, Swifty, you want to go cruise the city? And he looked. He said, let's go. So we got in the car together, and we drove down Alondra, and I was bumping Christian music. Brian Trejo, the one we recorded it two weeks ago, we're bumping the gospel in the car, rolling down Alondra. And listen, as we came back down Alondra, he shared with me. Here's the point, and I'm almost done. He shared with me why he responded to our video. He showed me his phone. And he showed me that a friend of him texted him the video. And at first, he was a little bit upset because there's a lot of negativity on the internet for what he's been doing. So he didn't want to listen to no negativity. But for some reason, he hit play on the video. And to his surprise, instead of negativity, he heard, man of God. He heard, we love you. He, we, he heard, we'll pray for you. Now, he did not say this. He did not say what I'm about to say, but I like to believe that the power of love captured his heart and something inside of him responded to the mercy of God because his soul heard his name, man of God. His soul heard his name, man of God. And like Lazarus, it's calling them out to the glory of God. It's calling them out to the glory of God. Pray, pray for Swifty Blue. Pray for Swifty Blue. Pray for him that God continue to capture his heart. But listen, here's what I'm saying to Chapel of Change. Listen, when the most infamous rapper in L.A. and probably the nation rose up to Chapel of Change, that is a sign that God is working amongst us to the glory of his name. Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Let's give God some glory. That's a sign. Ray Charles can see that. Amen. It's a sign that God is working at Chapel of Change. So my prayer is, here's my prayer as I close. Listen. Lord, help us to live up to your name. And Lord, give us a sensitivity of heart to recognize when you move in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you need a one-on-one -on -one with God. Maybe you have not been living up to your name. Maybe you need to repent. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you need to repent. Hallelujah, Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every heart bowed. Got to live up to our name. Got to ask for a sensitivity of heart to recognize the move of God. Hallelujah, Lord.
If there's anybody here who has not been living up to the names that God has put upon you, maybe you need to repent today. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I turn from my wicked ways. And today I rededicate my life to you. I've committed to living up to the names you put upon my life. If that's you, I want you to think about it for a couple moments because God's going to give you an opportunity to respond. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. If there's anybody who needs to repent from their sins, I want to pray with you a prayer right where you're at. Just right where you're at. There's anybody who's not been living up to the names that God has given you and you want to start over and you want to say, today's the day that by the help of the Spirit of God, I'm going to live up to the names God gave me. If that is you, stand to your feet right now. I just want to pray over you right now. If that is you, stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Stand to your feet. You want to repent. You want to say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to live up to your name. With your help, with the Holy Spirit's help. Hallelujah, Lord. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody more? Stand to your feet. We'll wait a couple moments. Just stand to your feet. Anybody more? I'm going to end this year strong. We're aligned. We're aligning ourselves with God. We're aligning ourselves with God's will. For those of you who stood up, I'm going to ask that you say this prayer with me from your heart, and then I'm going to pray over you right where you're at. Say this prayer with me. Lord God, I confess I have not been living up to my name. I am sorry. But today, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me, God. Cleanse me, God. Help me to live up to the names you have given me. Today I make a commitment to live up to those names. And Lord, give me a sensitivity of heart that I might not miss your movement. Help me to be all in. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those who stood up. Father, I thank you that this is a new day. I thank you that the grace and mercies of God are new every morning, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray for them. Strengthen them and help them and draw them closer to you, Almighty God. Fill them with your power, Lord God, that they may be all that you called them to be. Almighty God, thank you for another chance. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise. You may be seated. God is good all the time. If you stood up this this morning or this afternoon, your next step, I would encourage you to come back to Thursday night worship and let's serve the Lord together. Let's serve the Lord together. Someone shout amen. Did you learn something from today's message? Anybody got something? Hey, listen, I want to, the Lord put this upon my heart, and I want to ask you for a favor to do something right now. And I don't know if I'm going to follow through with this, but I'm going to take it step by step. But I'm going to let you in on what the Lord, I believe the Lord's putting upon my heart. Let me explain this first, though, okay? Let me explain this. 
you could love somebody without affirming their bad behavior. Did you catch that? You could love somebody without co-signing for the way they act. Everybody kind of, I would just want that to set in, right? Just think about us when we were not saved. God loved us even though we were disobedient. Did everybody agree with that? Just think about your kids, right? No matter what your kids do, you still love your kids. But that doesn't mean you affirm their behavior when they act out. Right? That don't mean you co-sign for the way they live. And I think it's like that because the scripture says the, the, the compassion of God leads to repentance. The compassion of God leads to repentance. So this is what I want to do. I want to send, not right now, I'll probably do it later. I may not do it, but I'm just going to be obedient. I want to send Swifty Blue a text with a video of us saying, we love you, Swifty Blue. Can you help me with that? Can anybody help me with that? So what I'm going to do is, on the count of three, I want you to just scream real loud, we love you, Swifty Blue. Can you do that? Real loud, all right? Um, on a count of three, and then after I'm done, Pastor Martin will come up here. On a count of three, I want you to say that real, 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 real. Hold on now. There it is. Hold on. Real. Hold on. One more time. I'm sorry. Everybody with me? Everybody with me on a count of three. One, two, three. All right, give the Lord some praise. Pastor Martin, come up here as we prepare for our tithes and offerings. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. I wasn't in the video. I, I didn't want to get recognized, amen. It's all right, it's all right. As we transition to our giving and worship the Lord through our tithe and our offering, the scripture I want to give you this afternoon is found in 2 Corinthians 8:12. And this is what it says. If there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Remember here at Chapel of Change, it's not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Equal sacrifice. As the ushers make their way up, I have a few announcements. We have a debit machine in the lobby that can facilitate your giving that way. We have envelopes behind your seats if you choose to give that way. There is a box in the lobby also where you can deposit those envelopes. We can give through chapelofchange.org online. Most of our family gives that way anyway. Praise the Lord. Or you can text to the number that's on your screen. I have a few announcements as well. Thanksgiving dinner. Ooh, one person got excited over that. Amen. Thanks. Thanksgiving dinner, November the 16th at our Carson campus. Praise the Lord. Amen. November 17th here at our Paramount campus. We're having Thanksgiving dinner. So I want to ask you this. There is a sign-up sheet in the lobby that has uh, the ability for you to sign up to bring mashed potatoes hint hint for those of you that are coming amen let's have dinner together let's fellowship 
That's what it's about. That's why we're doing it, so that we can connect together, sit down and have a meal together. Amen. November the 18th, we have Impact Young Adults in Carson, and we have baptisms on the 20th. So there is a sign-up sheet in the back. Today, six people joined the church. Amen. Six people joined the church. That's a blessing. God is adding to the church. Praise the Lord. And we have our prison fellowship angel tree sign up right there in the lobby as well if you choose to participate in that. I, I recommend that you do. Amen. Please do that. <clears throat> I was telling Victor, I go, what if my dad was in prison? You think they would give me a gift? I believe they would because they have that kind of heart. Amen. For children that need to be sponsored and taken care of and known that somebody does love them. Somebody loves you. Amen. God loves you. Uh, she is, her name is Erica Perales. I don't know if she's still there. If you are here, Erica, raise your hand, please. So that way they can come and uh, connect with you. Oh, she's in the back. All right. Praise the Lord. Connect with Erica. And I was uh, also, we want to participate uh, for those of you that are able, at 9.15, uh, Pastor Phil and Taryn, they pray in this back room. Pastor Phil brought this up today and asked if we can announce it, that if you would like to join them in prayer. They've been praying this way for about a year. Amen. For the church, for the leadership, for the pastors, for this ministry. Can you pray with me as we get ready to receive our tithe and offering? Heavenly Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And we thank you that you continue to provide for the families at Chapel of Change. As they give, Lord God, out of their hard-earned money to build, to encourage, and to allow the gospel to continue to be ministered. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, bless them, Lord. Ushers, you are released. Thank you. When a parent goes to prison, families are torn apart, and all too often children are left feeling lonely and ashamed. The separation can feel even worse at Christmas. With Angel Tree, you could be the hands and feet of Jesus to hurting families in your community who have a loved one behind bars. You could remind children they are never forgotten, and it starts with a gift. Angel Tree volunteers deliver a present, the gospel, and a personal message of love to children on behalf of their incarcerated parents. It's amazing to watch how a gift from that mom or dad can light up their child's eyes. For you and your church, Angel Tree Christmas can begin an ongoing, life-giving relationship with prisoners' families. You can help precious children strengthen their connection with their incarcerated parent, grow in their faith, and learn that they are overcomers with great, God-given purpose. Let's stand to our feet. God is good all the time. Hey, before we close out, I'm going to do something special. Uh, I want to call up Cassandra Lopez to the front. Cassandra, please report to the altar. Cassandra Lopez, please report to the altar. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, make some noise for Cassandra Lopez. Come on. Cassandra is one of our young adult leaders. 
And she works in our media department. She creates our sermon videos. Amen. And it's her birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but we want to pray. Huh? Oh, it's her hope year. Oh, it's her Kobe year. I'm going to take a guess. Is that 23? Oh, 24. I'm sorry. I messed up. 24. Why did I think? Oh, that's Jordan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's her Kobe year. So um, I'm going to have your, your mom say a few words, and then we're going to, and Laura's going to say a few words, and we're going to pray over it. Can we do that before we close out? Cassandra, you are my first miracle baby, but it's, you're not mine. You're God's, and you're the princess of God, and I'm so, I honor you today. I love you, honey, and I'm so proud of you, and daddy would be so proud of you, baby girl. Cassandra, I just praise God for the work he's doing in your life. I've seen you grow tremendously. I've seen the joy of the Lord strengthen you. And I've seen God begin to just unfold the plan that he has for your life. I thank God that he created you on purpose and for a purpose. So walk in it, my sister. We love you. All right, let's lift up our hands toward her. And I'm going to close us out at the same time. Cassandra, we anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been dedicated to the Lord since before you were born. And today, on this day, your 24th birthday, we reaffirm that calling. Just like King David had multiple anointings upon his life, today is a day that will remind you that you've been called by God. May this year be a blessing. May the Lord open up doors in your life. And may your creativity impact the world with the gospel in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Go in peace in Jesus' name. God bless you. Going through a storm.